0: Good morning, everyone. Junior Church, you are dismissed to walk. As you come up here, I want you to turn around. Stop right up here. Come on up here. Come up here. And then you're going to turn around. And to all the guys in here, What you to say Happy Father's Day real loud, though, okay? Not this little wimpy stuff. All right? So make sure you get this side, not just the three people up front. Okay? So look out on the count of three. One, two, three. Very good. All right. So I'm going to say something that's uh, kind of controversial. It could cause some problems out in the rest of the world. I don't want to say real world. But it is good to be a man, isn't it? Only half of you really said anything of you men. The rest looked at your wives like, can I answer that? Even though there's, no good, there's not going to be any record phone calls to dads like it is on Mother's Day, there are some really good things about being a guy, about being a man. And as I was preparing for this message, I thought, what a great way. Let's start out with some really good reasons of why it's great to be a man. And I want to share a few of them. It's great to be a man because you can still be friends with someone who forgot to invite you over for a dinner party. You can um, drop, or you can, it is great to be friends, or, uh, man, I'm so excited about it. It is great to be a guy, because your guy friends never trap you with, so did you notice anything different? Okay? It is great to be a guy, because you can watch a game with a friend for hours without talking, and not think, is he mad at me? And it's great to be a guy because you can go to a public bathroom without a support group. (laughs) Guys, isn't it great to be a guy? Yeah. Okay, I want to drive this. This is all ad-lib right here. Some of you remember tool time. So if you, oh, that's the guys, not the ladies. No estrogen in it. Okay, guys, if it's great to be a guy, show them. Uh, 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 uh. Huh? All right. Okay, now let's actually do a sermon. All right. So even though it's sometimes good and great to be a man, there is something really hard about being a man, and that is being a dad. Okay, and that's what we're going to look about today. We're going to look at one verse. And the reason in in Mother's Day, you'll remember, we look through lots of verses. And we go to men's, to Father's Day, and we go to one verse. Because men, we're simple-minded. We can only handle one thing at a time. Just ask your wives. And so we're going to hit this one verse, Ephesians 6, verse 4. And, and I think this verse, which really encapsulates a lot of what fathers need to do, and many of us, including myself, fail at fulfilling this verse. Let's read Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your, ang- or your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're going to look at this so that all of us, not just dads, but godly men, can do our part in the lives of children. Before we do that, let's pray. God, we come before you, and Lord, as we we look into your verse here, of what you want the men who are called after your image to look like. God, I ask that you speak to us. Let us hear your words. Let us hear your spirit in the promptings of how we can grow and be better godly men, godly fathers, godly husbands, just godly examples. In Jesus we pray. Amen. First thing, is real easy. It says, uh, Paul says something really simple. Dads, don't provoke your kids to anger. That's the first part. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Now, I don't believe a dad comes home, and on his way home, he's sitting there, how can I make my kids upset? I don't think he plans that, okay? Despite what the kids may think. But there are ways that we men actually do Provoke anger in children around us. We will sometimes provoke our kids to anger when we abuse our authority. When we abuse our authority. Um, Dads, we live in tough times. Work is hard. Marriage is hard. We have many expectations that are laid on our shoulders. And to top it off, God has put these tiny little mini versions of us living in the same household And we've got to keep our cool and not provoke them to anger. And their maturity levels are not quite as good as ours most times. And so it provokes things. And with all of that laid on us, it's easy to take out our frustrations on those who are less likely to be able to reach out and harm us back. And that is often kids. We need to recognize we can easily provoke kids to anger when we abuse that authority, when we take out our frustrations or or angst and all that, and we lay it on top of the kids that don't deserve it. Maybe we had a day when nothing uh, good enough. We had nothing good enough for anybody else at work. Uh, Your sales manager breathing down your neck. Uh, The shop where you're working is going through some layoffs and, You may be losing your job. You can't get upset at anybody there. And on your way home, you're frustrated and you're speeding. And then you see those lights and hear that siren. And you just want to yell at this guy, but you can't because he'll give you another ticket. And then you come home. And this little kid comes up demanding all your attention. Wanting to have something with you. And you... Those kids see us at that time abusing our authority, and it causes anger in them. Because they have no way to release their anger, and we've just shown them a bad example of how to do it. So dads, each one of us are going to have bad days, going to face difficult circumstances, but we need to be godly examples. We can't let those circumstances of life dictate our response to our children and in front of them or our wives, or our neighbors, or anyone else. How can we avoid this? How can we recognize those tam- times when we're frustrated? We, we need to do something. Philippians 4 tells us to do this. We need to stop and pray for peace in the Lord's wisdom. Look what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts In your minds in Christ Jesus. Dads, we usually talk about this verse when we're talking about stresses and frustrations, and and it really hits a lot of ladies on this, but men, this verse, when you are so frustrated, you want to blow up, when you just want to go break something, take a hammer and kill the tree or something, what does this verse say? Don't be anxious about anything, but in every single situation, even the blow-up times when our heart is ready to explode, to God in prayer. Present your request to him. Then a peace of God will come over you. I I know my job isn't in the real world. um, But I had a guy who was in the real world tell me a great way to handle stresses and frustrations of the job. He said, pick a center spot from your home to work. And on your way to work, when you're on your way, you think about home stuff until you get to that middle spot. From that point on, you start putting your mind into work mode. And when you come home, you deal with all the work stuff until you get to that middle spot. And from that spot on, you think about how am I going to react to my kids? How am I going to react to my wife? What am I going to do with and for my kids and my wife? You start putting your mind in emotion on that. And then do that in prayer. Do that in Thanksgiving. And then when you come home, you're not all bent up and ready to be a cage match. You're actually ready to let the peace of God come through you. Another way we can provoke our kids to anger is when we over-protect our kids. Sometimes as parents, and, and I, let me just say, a lot of these things are going to be, they're all directed at men because it's Father's Day, but ladies... You can all learn from this as well. Sometimes as parents, in the name of protecting our kids, we put on a leash so tight that they have no opportunity to mature. As kids grow, we need to continually allow them to have more responsibilities. And this means they're going to make more and probably bigger mistakes. That's life. The key is we need to fit the responsibilities to their age. Now, I don't believe anyone has a lock on exactly what to do with each kid at exact age. There's no book on that because kids are totally different. It's going to be different from house to house and parent to parent and even child to child. But dads, when our kids are old enough to ask why, and I don't mean the three or four year old, why? I'm talking about when they really want to ask why. Then shouldn't we take the time, the opportunity to communicate to them? on the deeper reasonings and the methods behind it, not just because I said so, but actually lead and teach them. If we're not going to let them ride their bike to the ice cream shop with their friends, shouldn't we tell them, well, because those friends are bad influences? Or because the road you're going to take is right next to that busy road, And, and I don't want you that close to semis. Because the ice cream shop is too busy, or you're not paying attention. But dad, I'm 15 years old. Well, that's a different story than when you're five or six. We need to rethink those reasons and apply them. This happened in our life with our daughter. Uh, She came to us her senior year, I think it was. And she said, can I stay up later? I'm like, what do you mean? Bedtime's at nine. She's a senior. Can't I stay up till 10 or 11? Yeah, you should. We didn't think about it. We just, bedtime's nine, go to bed. And she asked the question, and I was you're right, that's a, that's a good time. We should change that. So we changed it right then. Should we have changed it before? Absolutely. We were focused on the two little boys who aren't little anymore. But that's all we were focused on, and our daughter's like, hey. And we need to make sure we're not overprotecting them because we're focused on something else. Uh, on the other hand, from being overprotective, we can provoke our kids to anger in the future when we overindulge our kids. We can give our kids everything they want, let them do anything and everything they think they're going to do and want to do, and they're going to think we're the greatest parents in the world, but really what we're doing is laying the groundwork for exasperating our kids, provoking them to anger, because that's not how the world works. You don't get everything you want. You don't get to do anything and everything. And so we, we can't overindulge them. Don't lay that groundwork. Don't overindulge your kids. And then another way that we can provoke our kids to anger is when we overcriticize our kids. This leads to discouragement when they're constantly overly criticized. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they'll become discouraged. Look at these same verse in different versions. Do not embitter your children, or they'll become discouraged. Do not antagonize your children, or they'll be um, so that they will not become discouraged. Fathers, don't scold your children so much they become discouraged and quit trying. Isn't that one of the things that is frustrating so many people in the workforce? We got people, and I'm not taking generations or anything. Okay, I'm just saying there's out there. They just don't know how to work. They start doing something and they fail, so they quit. That's on us, because we haven't tried or taught them how to try and try again and keep going. We need to look for ways to encourage our kids. Yeah, that didn't work. So how do we change it and get a success? There are things every day that our kids do that we need to encourage them in. This will help more than you will ever know. This will build them up and it'll last longer than you'll ever remember. Dads, keep it in mind when you're with any kids. Not just your own. And I'm going to tell you, it is so much easier to be very uplifting and encouraging when I'm with your kids, not mine. Okay? My kids kind of bring out me. Because I see me. In them. And I don't always like that. I want to see God in them. And the only way to make sure that God keeps coming out of them. Is for me to push me aside. And promote God in front of them. She's fine. Okay. So, that's a list of don't do these things. So what do we do? First thing, because that's not the the whole verse. says raise our kids, Ephesians 6.4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up, raise them up. We are to bring our kids up, raise them up, nourish them as they grow. The word translated bring up here is the same word used in Ephesians 5.29, where it talks about speaking in nourishing your wives. This is how fathers are to be towards their children. If your wives need nourishment, they need encouragement, they need sustenance. Fathers, you are to do the same thing to your children. I'll tell you something right now. I don't like my kids as much as I like my wife. Okay? I said it. I like my wife a whole lot better. supposed to be that way. Okay? My kids are going to move away. A half hour away, according to my wife, so they're still close enough. But I want to have a great wife and home, right? So what do I need to do? What's the phrase? Happy wife, happy life. You know one of the greatest ways to make a happy wife? Feed and nurture and raise your children the right way. Do it as a team. Don't say, that's your job. I'm out here. Man, it is our job to raise our children. We, are dads, are to raise them or bring them up. Our kids are not going to get brought up correctly on their own. Okay? They just won't. I've seen... I just spent a few days at fishing camp, and I saw what some of those boys do. Dustin just was with junior hires. They're not that smart, are they? No. They do dumb things. Kids are not going to just raise themselves. He's like, it wasn't me. Well... We have that responsibility to raise them up. Take that seriously, guys. In this country, we have a real pandemic of absent dads. Either physically out of the home or mentally and emotionally out of the home. There are some dads who live in the home, but they push off that responsibility to their wives. Dads, this is your job. You are to nourish and take care of your wife hands. Raise your children up. That is God's word, not mine. It is our job. As I look around the room, I see many dads who have not checked out, and I thank you for that. You have taken your responsibility seriously, and I applaud you for that. And it is a great sacrifice now. But one day, you will get to see your kids with their kids and laugh at them. And it'll be a reward. Just ask my parents. They're right here. They laugh at me all the time. Saying I deserve everything I get. Proverbs 10.1 says, um, A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to the mother. The only way our children can become wise is if we, in God's wisdom, raise and train them up. Dads don't think um, here what if my act if my child acts foolishly, that means it brings grief to mom. It doesn't affect me, right? Happy wife. And so if mama is grieving because of something the kid did wrong, whose fault is it? He's acting just like you. You know that phrase, okay? I will guarantee you if there's grief coming to the mom, you're going to feel that Proverbs 17:25. Foolish children bring grief to their father and bitterness to the one who gave them birth. Take our responsibilities seriously, men. Second thing we need to do in bringing up our children, it says discipline our kids. See, don't provoke the children to anger. Bring them up in discipline. We need to lovingly discipline our, life, our children. Proverbs 13, 24, those who spare the rod of children hate their children. We've always heard, spare the rod, spoil the child. That is the Dr. Seuss version. That is not what scripture says. Right there, scripture. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. If we choose not to discipline, we are really saying, I don't care what happens to you. Sure, run out in the road, you'll figure it out. Put the fork in the socket, let's see what happens. Discipline teaches us, don't do that. And we need to understand that. Maybe you think, well I love my kids so much, I I want them to love me back so I'm not going to discipline That's the actual opposite of Scripture, and it doesn't promote love from them. Kids who have received no discipline, hear me out on this, okay? Kids who receive no discipline are brats that society does not want. It's just true. I've talked to a football or a baseball coach. He cannot stand undisciplined kids. You know why? They don't do what they're told. Put the glove down. I don't want to. The ball just went past you. Well, I don't know why. Put your glove down. I don't want to. Go run a lap. I don't want to. Get off the team. That's what he has to deal with. Because the parents are well, I just want him to have fun. He's not having fun. Nobody's having fun. Discipline puts the boundaries around. This was a true study. They decided in this elementary school that these kids, there was this fence area. And they thought, let's, we own all this property around here that even goes into the trees. So let's take the fence away. That'll give these kids more freedom. It was an elementary school. And they took the fence away, and the kids huddled closer to the building. And then they quit playing as much. They were just huddled closer and closer. They're like, what's going on? And the guy came and said, they don't know where their boundaries are. They don't know how far they can go. So they went and put the fence back up, and the kids spread out. They knew, here are our boundaries. The fence is discipline. Here's where you can go. And the kids played more, and they had more fun and energetic. Discipline is boundaries. We need to have boundaries. We have to have boundaries. How much more do our kids need to do it? As I was uh, preparing for this, because I know this is... Hot topic of how far, how much, when to, and all that discipline. I'm not saying you guys decide how you discipline your children. The Bible says we have to do it. As I was preparing for this, I I read lots of sermons, and this pastor put this really insightful distinguishing between discipline and punishment. And this is what he said. The purpose of punishment is to inflict penalty and focus on the past. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth by looking into the future. Well, you're a bad kid. I'm going to keep hitting you because of this. That's punishment. Discipline is because you chose this, you're not allowed to do these things. But look, if you would change your actions, change your attitude, do these things, then you'll be able to do better in the future. That's discipline. We discipline our kids to help them change for future behavior. We correct their course so they don't crash and burn. I-, I taught my boys how to drive. When they were coming up to a curve, I didn't sit there and say, well, let's see what happens. You know what I said? Do you see that curve up there? Yes, Dad, I see it. You're still going a little too fast. Okay. You're still going too fast. Turn now! And then even one a few times I had to grab the wheel because I didn't know what they're doing yet. I had to teach them. And then you know what would happen? You see that turn? Yeah, Dad, I'm already slowing down. Okay. And they did it because I knew we needed to get to a future where we're all alive. And they're doing better at it. So much so that I trust them to drive me to camp now. Because we discipline them to set them on that course. And that goes to this last part here. Instruct our kids. Don't provoke them to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We need to teach our kids and specifically teach them the ways of God. Instruct them about God. It is our job, dads. That's what this scripture says. To help our kids come into a relationship with Jesus. It is not the church's job to teach your kids about Jesus. It is not Dustin's job to make sure your kids are spiritual. That is your job. It is his job to help come alongside you, to help take him to greater spiritual depths and maturities. But it is not his job. It is our job as fathers. This verse just said it. It is our job to do that. Our society teaches us to rely on ourselves. It's my job. You handle yourself. But there are plenty of people who rely on their own wisdom. And when we rely on our own wisdom, what happens? We stumble and fall. We, we just do this. And while we think, well, I, I can figure it out. I'll do it on my own. I can tell you right now, I am not a good father on my own. Not. Because what seems good to me is actually kind of dumb many times. I have to rely on the wisdom of God and use that in my parenting. And then all of a sudden, my kids are like, hey, that was really good advice. <laughs> yes, God's not mine. And they know this because they can tell. Um, Howard Hughes. Who was Howard Hughes? Billionaire. He relied on his own intuition, his own knowledge, his own experience. And he amassed great riches. But what happened when he died? No one was there and nobody cared. He did it all on his own. I'm a self-made man and nobody cared. And we are raising kids like this? Instead, we need to teach them in the ways of God. Man's knowledge and wisdom don't lead to true joy. And it is not from God. Look what it says, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a path before each person that seems right. And it doesn't end there. But it ends in death. Oh, I think this is a great idea. Let's do this. And it leads to death. Maybe our dad who has received Jesus as Savior, but haven't done a very good job of living it, living that way. That is the very thing that has driven many people out of the church, is hypocrisy. I'm going to pretend to be a Christian on Sunday and then do whatever I want later on. According to a 50-year study of Christians and non-Christian families, most young adults who follow Christ either come from non-Christian homes or from homes where the love of Jesus um, was seen in both mom and dad. The parents' passion for Christ permeated their lives and passed through into their own kids. Very few believers came from homes where there was a indifferent or apathetic commitment to Christ. And what I mean is that they saw their dad or their mom kind of a gung-ho on Sunday, but then the rest of the week they didn't really care. Those kids did not, for the most part, stay in the faith. They left because, you know what, it's a joke. I saw what mom and dad did. It didn't really matter. A home with parents who are lazing their faith produce spiritually dead children. It's scary to think a person growing up in a non-Christian home has a better chance of coming to know Christ than somebody who comes to church on Sundays when mom and dad kind of feel like it. Isn't that kind of scary? A non-Christian has a better chance of coming to know Christ than somebody who at least attends. We fail our kids if we do not live what we say. We fail our kids if we don't live what we say. I have failed my kids. What kind of cars do I like best, Brady? What brand? I like Fords. We own a Dodge and a GMC. I can't afford quality, so that's why we went this route. (laughs) Yeah. So, let's, uh, so. But I have failed my kids on other things. Need to live a godly example in front of unbelievers. Dad, you're kind of driving erratic. I know they irritated me. I'm supposed to love our neighbors. Dad, you're kind of a little annoyed with them, aren't you? And I failed my kids because I don't live what I say. And my kids get to see me say a lot up front. And so they got to hold me up to a lot of things I say. But your kids are watching you too. And they see you. And they hear you say a lot of things all over the place. And if you are not living what you say, especially if it's not pointing towards God, I say the words, but I don't live it. Your children are learning that faith is a joke, that Jesus doesn't matter. I'm sure most of you here today, you want, you're striving to be good men, godly men. Don't give up. I know it's hard most, most of the time, but it is worth it. It is worth it to see those actions of godly characters come out of your kids. It is so wonderful to hear your kids quote you and they don't even know it. Especially when they're giving advice to their friends. You're like, that was pretty good advice. And they think it's their own ideas. You're like, wow, they're getting it. Keep the good fight. Keep the faith. When we have left a legacy of faithfulness for our kids, when they follow in our footsteps of being faithful mothers and fathers themselves, we're going to be able to see those rewards. We're going to see them. I can't wait. I, I'm not kidding. I can't wait until I see my kids baptize their kids. I, re- I That's just amazing to me to be able to see that. Uh, this last week, I was at fishing camp. And I, and I told him it's a good job, and this was all ad lib, so I don't care. You can tell him good job, too. But I looked into the room and the dorm room where we we're sleeping, and it was kind of just whatever time. And I saw my youngest son sitting there helping three, two or three boys memorize scripture. I didn't tell him to do that. He just went in there and started. No, that's a good job. Keep trying. He was encouraged and I'm like, that's my boy. And I just stood there for a minute, like, how? How did I get this boy? Because I wasn't that good. I don't deserve that. And I stood there, and then I thought to this sermon, like, God, these kids are a gift. These kids are a gift to me, and you've just blessed me more than I knew I could handle. And right then, I was like, that's my boy. And I had literally did this. I went out and grabbed three of the other men who were help faculty there. I said, come look what my boy's doing. Look at that. If I would have had a button shirt, it would have popped off. But it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with this boy, my son, saying, I know something about God. Let me show you to to these kids. There are going to be times when we as men stumble. And we fall. We fail. But the Holy Spirit rise us up. One of the greatest things I think dads we need to do men is show them how we recover after we fail. If you only show them your successes you're building them up for a false world. We can rise again and strive to be like Jesus and we show our children how we do that. Follow everything that is in the Bible. How to raise our kids how to be fathers and husbands. Today Whether you're a father or not, whether you had a good father figure growing up or not, there is one who is truly loving you and is that godly father figure. God is calling you. If you haven't accepted him or given your life, we want to offer that time. Won't you come and accept him as your spiritual father now? Make that decision. Kids, real quick, just kids. Some of you have had good father figures. Some have had absent or bad. Right now, I'm going to tell you something. In this room, and I can point out several. There are several godly men who want to be in your life. They want to encourage you. They want to support you. They want to do godly things in and through you. And just because you've had a a bad example out there of what a dad is, doesn't mean that it is the real version of what a dad is. I had a pitiful excuse of a biological dad. Pitiful. Pitiful. Horrible. And then I had a guy who said, I have no reason to be your dad, but I'm choosing to be. And he adopted me. Had no idea what he was getting into. There are other men here who want to choose to be in there. And if you need that, come talk to them. I'll come tell me, and I will point you to them. Men, whether you're dad or not, men, we have a job. It is our job to show, to protect, to guide and lead all of them around us. And these kids are watching. Let's give them something they can truly watch. Something they can take home and say, that's who I want to be like. And let us point to the one we want to be like, which is God. So if you need to make a decision about God, why don't you make that today? Let's stand and let's worship a good, good Father.